Today's episode is brought to you by Casted, the only marketing platform built specifically for B2B marketers who run podcasts. One of the things that we preach at Marketing Showrunners and on this, our official show, is that a brand's podcast will not succeed if it's treated like a side project. It has to become central, and it should be central, to a marketing strategy. And why? Well, a show has specific benefits at every stage of the funnel, but more importantly, a show straightens the entire damn thing. A podcast is like a trust accelerant. It accelerates the relationship that you have with a prospective buyer, and so they buy faster or advocate more. And that all sounds great, but executing and measuring on it can be a nightmare. Tools for podcasters are built for the media or hobbyists or stuck in the past. But with Casted, all of that changes. They help you instantly transcribe, index, and search your podcast content using clips and key moments that both sales and marketing can use. So to host, catalog, search, and promote your podcast throughout the buyer's journey, to straighten the funnel and accelerate trust, try Casted if you're in B2B and you host a podcast. Go to casted.us. Today, it's time to talk people. How does running a show actually affect the team? Where you focus your time, who you hire, how you staff and structure an organization. Show running is happening, people. It's happening all over marketing. We, we catalog it every day on this show and on Marketing Showrunners. It's everywhere in our industry. And eventually, we're going to have to stop talking purely about strategy, tactics, measurement, and tools, and talk about the people involved in this approach. Right now seems like as good a time as any to start doing exactly that. This is Three Clips. Welcome to Three Clips, the official podcast of Marketing Showrunners. We're a media company that covers and advances this growing practice of brands making original podcasts and video shows. On the show, we discuss all kinds of things about making great podcasts, but we do so in a very specific way. We deconstruct great shows a few little pieces at a time. But we also want to learn about things outside the content itself, things that are affecting our work as showrunners inside marketing teams. So we also talk to technologists, marketers, and creative minds of all types to supplement our deconstruction episodes. So today, we talk to Kristen Bryant of Wistia. Wistia sells video marketing tools, and they've recently launched an in-house arm of their marketing team specifically to make shows. It's called Wistia Studios. Wistia is one of the organizations not only building original series, by the way, but they teach it too. And before I actually get too far, I do want to disclose Wistia is a sponsor of Marketing Showrunners blog. They had no say in the editorial of this episode, nor did they suggest that we do this. Kristen is the lead producer on Wistia's video talk show, Brandwagon a segmented late-night style show, which just wrapped season one. It's linked in the show notes, by the way, so you can watch it, and I do really like it just as a consumer of great content about marketing. In our chat, Kristen highlights the one part of their process that was make or break to create such a high-quality show, and she explains what a producer on a marketing team really does all day and how you can adopt the same approach or hire for it if you need to. All that and, of course, a lot more because like my intro is just a few minutes long and the show is a lot longer. So there's, of course, there's a lot more. I don't understand why every show has to start by saying all that and a lot more. Where, where was I? Oh yeah, my interview with Kristen Bryant of Wistia.
We occupy very similar spaces, and I spend all my time thinking about marketers making shows, which is another way of saying I need a hobby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's proving very useful for people who subscribe to our newsletter, read the site, etc. And so what I'm curious most about is this blind spot that I find a lot of marketers dealing with, a lot of brands dealing with. It's not just creating the show, like planning it, producing the content. It's not just marketing the show. It's not just measuring the show. It's the most important layer for all of this stuff is the people and how to staff for it. So what is your role? What was your role previously at Wistia and how has it evolved into what you do now? I started at Wistia actually two years ago in a product role, doing product management for our product soapbox. And a lot of my job as a product manager was really about features, you know, what should we build next? How should we evolve the product, help people make videos in a more easy, uh, easier way. And then I kind of transitioned to the marketing team of telling that story of how can people make more videos? How can people think about ways to, to use video to connect better with their audiences? And so I was doing more traditional product marketing for a while as it related to Soapbox and Wistia at the time, we had kind of released 110, 100, and we're thinking about how we can continue to create more shows and tell other people about how shows have really helped us build our brand. And so at that point in time, I ended up transitioning to support show creation more. I had already been doing a lot of partnerships work around like, how can we think about people in this space and how we're overlapping from a product perspective, but really shifting my focus to think more about how can we think about the content that we're building and how other people can be a part of that content, particularly when it comes to video, particularly when it comes to the types of shows that we're making. So you spend all your time right now thinking about supporting the work Wistia is doing internally, building shows to build your brand. And I wish. I spend about <laughs> 70% of my time thinking about that. And then I would say the other part of my time is really spent uh, in ways that we can empower other people to build shows. So whether that's, you know, having conversations with strategic partners and customers about what they're doing in the space, how to really amplify the work that they're doing, how we can share our insights, stuff that we're doing right now on this call, Jay, is probably the other part of my role. Okay, got it. Makes sense. So 100% show category, yeah. 70% internal, 30% external. So when you're thinking about staffing for that, I, you know, my history working in marketing teams was very funnel stage specific. It was like, okay, we have our top of funnel team. It's Brandon Buzz. We have our, you know, middle of funnel team. They're going to help convert the leads and conversion rate optimization. Then we have bottom of funnel sales enablement, product marketing. Like people were staffing their marketing teams based on the stages of the funnel. Now here comes shows. And we're saying, actually, it affects everything. So how do you begin to think through like staffing for it, your role, the skills you need? I'm getting exhausted just thinking about this. So it is a change. One thing at Wistia, we've had the benefit for some time now of having a really strong content team. Our content from written content on the blog all the way to our video production team that has been in-house for, I think, eight or 10 years now. And so really in terms of what it's required for us internally, we started with this really strong foundation of we've always in invested in content marketing that has talked about challenges that people are facing out in the space that 
may or may, I mean, it's the traditional content marketing approach, right? That you're talking about things that are related to your product, but not quite your product. And that has been some of our highest performing content. An example of that is how to shoot a video with an iPhone, right? All about video production. We don't sell video production stuff, but it's important for people to be making more videos if they're going to be ready to buy Wistia. And so I think for us internally, we've looked at our team and we've said, who has been making content and how can the type of content that we are creating and measuring, how does that shift? And so internally, we have the copywriters that have always been responsible for our blog, our associate director of content marketing, who are now really focused on show creation as well. So that ranges from pre-production activities like how do you make a script outline to the concept for the show. I think one thing that you just touched on in terms of thinking about your shows being outside of that traditional funnel is what do you want to speak to? What's the story you want to tell through a show or through a series? And so that kind of narrative creation, that type of outlining is still happening by and large by writers on our team. Kristen's job in part requires her to be the lead producer on Brandwagon, Wistia's talk show style program that delves into the changing ways B2B companies think about brand today. As lead producer, she does a bunch of stuff. She helps book guests, selling them on the idea of coming on the show in the first place. And then she preps them both ahead of time digitally and immediately before the interview to make sure they're comfortable live on set. She says the show is about this. Chris Savage, the host, he wants to talk about that. And she generally prepares the interview to go well. Naturally, that involves preparing more than just the guest. So she then flips back around internally and she prepares Chris, the company's CEO, to host that interview, to conduct a great one. I asked her, what's the biggest difference between a typical video that you might produce in your marketing team and making a show in her role? And she said, pre-production. Pre-production for a one-off video is just very different for pre-production for a show. It happens at two different levels for a show. We have like the conceptualization of the show itself. So what is the point? What's the theme? Why are we doing this? That has to happen. And that's one part of it. But then if you're especially having a show that's about, you know, that relies on interviews, but really at any point in time, there's also a story specific to an episode. And so it's it's managing, okay, specifically in this episode, so for Brandwagon, we have an episode with Mark DeCristina of MailChimp, who's the head of brand there. Specifically for the conversation that we had with Mark, that is different than with other people on the show, right? And so it's like, how do we make sure or think about what we should, the conversation and how it should go with him versus how it would go with another guest, right? MailChimp is doing stuff right. that is very different from anybody else. So we need to make sure we talk to him about how they're making shows, how they're thinking about their brand marketing challenges differently. And so that is an episode-specific pre-production process that happens really once the guest is already engaged, which is very different from the timeline from when we were thinking about pre-production for the show in general and what we wanted to accomplish broadly. Pre-production. She said pre-production. The planning stages make all the difference. When we think about production value or quality, as marketers, we often think about spending a ton of time and budget on technology and then a ton of time and budget on editing after production, aka post-production. But so much of a show's quality comes from pre-production. What is the show's concept? Do we have one? Is it differentiated? Is it awesome? What's the episode's purpose and structure, their format? What could we do now in our planning stages to ensure that heading into production, way more of what we record is actually great, usable, 
irresistible stuff. That pre-production stuff is where so much production value actually comes from. Pre-production, planning. It's not about throwing money or time at the problem after you capture the tape. So what does this actually look like? Kristen answered that by explaining the process behind the Brandwagon episode featuring MailChimp's head of brand, Mark DiCristina. So the plan for Brandwagon, we have a few segments that come together as a show. I think that that as a show structure is something that is different for the type of show that we're making versus maybe what some people might start with. But we have multiple segments. So there's a segment where Chris Savage, we're kind of thinking about it like the Tonight Show and how I built this had a baby. That's kind of how I think about Brandwagon. <laughs> there's segments where Chris is at the desk like he's Jimmy Fallon and talking about different issues in marketing today. There's another segment that we actually bought a 1991 Volvo station wagon and we are, let's call it remodeling it. And that's a segment called Building the Brandwagon. And then we have the meat of the episode that is the meat of the episode is an interview with a marketing leader. So all of these different pieces kind of have their own production schedules in some way. And so our creative director, Dan, is overseeing and making sure that the entire production is happening. But then we have some level of delegation around who's really taking the lead within each of those segments. So again, my role as this kind of doing guest recruitment and really focusing on the interviews is getting guests in and making sure that they understand what we're trying to do with Brandwagon and that they would be appropriately prepped for the interview with Chris. So we want everyone to look their best if you come on Brandwagon. We don't want any surprises that would throw them off their game, right? So to prep, it, to prep a guest appropriately, I'm sharing the themes of the show with them. We like to share themes and not specific questions because people get very scripted or memorized stuff and then you don't have an authentic conversation. And so it's like sharing right. that with them, telling them about Chris, telling them more about Wistia, um, making sure that they know what to expect from the day. Uh, and that is really how we prep for that interview is that's my responsibility is to prep them and to prep Chris for the interview. Hey, just a quick break to talk to you about our sponsor, Contently. Uh, here's the deal. I have traveled the content marketing industry lamenting the fact that so much content that we create as marketers is hollow. And Contently has thrown up their hands and been like, yeah, amen, brother. So I, I feel a kinship to these guys and I've grown close to them as people. And they decided to help sponsor this show and make sure we can make great content. But to prove to Contently that they should continue to fund the creation of these episodes, please go to the website contently.com slash clips. Contently creates technology and amazing educational content. Their technology helps you predict which content formats, topics, and channels will best engage your target audience while also offering workflow efficiencies. They also have a network of talent, talent that has won Pulitzers and Emmys and worked for Wired, The Economist, The Financial Times, New York Magazine, and more. So for great content strategy ideas, for tools to help you improve and grow your content marketing, and for a network of talent from some of the best publications on the planet, that's Contently. Go to Contently.com slash clips to support them and by extension, our show. Contently.com slash clips. Kristen and her team surveyed the landscape of branded shows prior to launching Brandwagon, but it was less about competitive intel and more about inspiration. Who's doing what creative things? And honestly, she came away disappointed. Almost everybody, especially in B2B, seems to shrug and say, we can't invest much, so 
we'll just do an interview show. But that misses a crucial truth. Interview shows are hard. And I think, especially if you're talking about trying to get the caliber of guests that we are, we're talking about our executive time because our CEO is the one who's interviewing them. They're often C-suite executives as well. And so just the calendars alone, that's a nightmare. And then, you know, driving in on that, making sure that you have a worthwhile conversation, that your audience is going to feel like they wouldn't have gotten elsewhere, that's fresh and provides insights that make them feel, especially in a B2B context, like they can do their jobs better or that they have some level of enlightenment about something. That is an important level of work to ensure. And so I think that that is a challenge and, and it's something to consider if people are like, oh, I can just put together an interview and I can you know, lock two people in a room and record it. It does take more than that. I read this article about Guy Raz and why he's so such a good interviewer and how many times he often says, wow, to get like people going <laughs> and like how he constantly tries to provide them with feedback to make sure they understand like he's listening, but also he's very impressed. And it's like things like that, that you don't even realize he's, that's something he's doing to elicit a response and to have a better quality interview. We're not trained on that in our normal lives. And that's not to say that you can't do an interview show or that someone on your staff can't do an interview show, but there are specific skills that can be learned and honed. I've said it before. I'm going to say it a million times every week given the business that I'm building and the belief that I have, marketing is not about who arrives. It's about who stays. And that's why a show is great. That's what you're talking about. Not awareness. Oh, everyone knows the thing. The impressions were great. The share. No, it's affinity. It's loyalty. It's love. It's trust. It's time spent if you want to measure it that way. When you think about planning a show like Brandwagon, I get the quest. I get the journey. It's like, let's explore how these companies are thinking more progressively than our predecessors in marketing about brand. And I get that you're breaking it up into different segments. When you start there, and it's just like, okay, stake in the ground or mountain peak in the distance, that's what we're exploring. Like, how do you begin to, in your specific role, contribute to the creation of that show? So we had this idea of Brandwagon. We knew we were going to talk to marketers. Chris Savage, our CEO, gets amped about something. And then he is just so passionate so quickly about it. So he's like, we're going to talk to people. I'm going to have the best conversations. We're going to have these segments that make it go, that get people, you know, watching every episode, maybe. And I think the other thing when you're relying on guests, it's like, you're going to be more interested in some people that more than others, just by nature of us being humans, right? You know, one thing that we thought about was what are the types of interviews that we want to have and how do they want to relate to each other? So do we want to have a conversation that digs really deep on a person's specific story or on a company's specific story? Are we okay if that varies from episode to episode? How many episodes are in enough episodes? And so it was, I was working closely with Dan, the creative director, on making those decisions and really trying to lay out what exactly the ask is when we're reaching out to a person to be on the show. So my kind of first task was to get the concept of the show really nailed down and clear, not only so that we we knew that we were all talking about the same thing. It's like that classic challenge of when I tell you to, to draw a car, what type of car are you drawing versus what type of car am I drawing? That's what we had to nail down is to make sure we're talking about the same car. And so now we all know that we're all talking about a 1991 station wagon. 
And I, it's my job to sell that to other people, to basically bring people in, kind of lock down the language that we want to use to talk about Brandwagon externally and be able to write information for people who may not know us that well. I feel like part of my role, especially when we first kicked off production, was sales-like for the people we were doing cold outreach to to get on the show, even before we had shot the trailer, right? And so we're trying to give them the concept of what we're talking about. And that was my job was to like say, what is it that will communicate what we're talking about until we have all of these assets that will help us tell our story. But what we basically did is, again, we started by relying on people who already were familiar with Chris Savage and who are already you know, familiar with Wistia. We reached out to our mentors to have them do warm introductions. That paid more dividends than anything else was the warm intro. We asked our entire team to help participate in recruitment. Another thing that we've cared really deeply about is trying to recruit and make sure that this isn't a show where there's a white male CEO only talking to other white male CEOs. To wrap up today, a little advice from Kristen about where to get started, whether you hire a producer externally to own your show or your network, or that producer is you. I think that any marketing team is very aware of you know, their buyer's journey and what people do and how they come into their product and what they're aware of. And it's really fundamentally to me, the same tasks and activities that you're doing to really create any type of blog content that's happening in that con like that stage that you talked about with like conceptualizing the show. And I think it's very easy for people to think, Oh, you're using words like pre-production and, and show format and concept and show Bible. And I don't know what that means, but in reality, this is stuff that you've been doing about a different type of content for a very long time. Anyone that's ever made an onboarding series had a kickoff meeting where they're like, what are the steps of onboarding that we want for these five videos? So you've already decided there are going to be five videos. You've already decided the goal is to make sure people are empowered to onboard, right? And you've already figured out like what, where the steps are that you need to kind of walk through your product with your customers. It's basically doing the same thing, but instead of that content being so focused on the product, it's like, what is it that my audience cares about? Because I know them so well. I know where they work. I know what they're interested in. And when I let go of my product being part of that set of things they're interested in, what else could I say that would resonate for them? I would, I would challenge. I loved all of that. I would challenge the fact that marketers know their customers. I think what changes when we make a show is we all really have to. And a lot of times we're brainstorming in a room or an executive asks for something and that's what pops out the other end. When you create a show, when you think about the modern way of doing marketing, where experience matters, and a show is a great way to execute on that, there is no more spot, no more place for us to hide as marketers. It's all about first principles. We have to know our audience. We have to understand why does this fit that medium, not that one over there. We have to be proactive and not lazy. Oh, just syndicate it. Just put this thing in more places like Scattershot. Just film your podcast. There's got to be intentionality and a focus on the humans. And I love that. I think there's no more room for the kind of like hucksters or lazy marketing if we're going to do this well. I think that's a beautiful situation for both companies and customers. Okay, so that's that's like my mini rant about why I believe this movement into running shows at brands forces marketers into better behavior, better better habits of getting to know customers and genuinely providing them great experiences. But so much of doing that requires not just the right mentality, but the right people to do the work. So 
just to come full circle and and end on the theme we've been talking about today, I, I wanted to end here. What's the first hire you'd encourage marketing teams that already have some kind of video capability in-house, the first hire or individual to bring over to a show that you'd recommend they make? I would call the person probably something like a producer. And that I think if you look at Hollywood and TV, that the producer is the person that makes the stuff happen, right? But I think what it looks like at a marketing company is someone who is going to be responsible for making sure that there's a show outline and concept that gets buy-in, consensus, and also is able to really project manage. So I think that there is some level of narrative creation that maybe is like that skill set of a writer. And then the project management of being like, here are the things that we need to make sure that this is going to happen. Uh, and I think that that's the first hire. Thank you to Kristen Bryant of Wistia. Thank you to Casted, our presenting sponsor today. As a reminder, Casted believes in putting a podcast at the center of your strategy. And so they're building tools to help marketers do that, helping you make your audio content more accessible, tagged, sorted, clipped, so you can use it across marketing channels and enable sales to send specific moments to prospects. So to check out the first platform specifically for B2B marketers who podcast, go to casted.us. You can also subscribe to Marketing Showrunners, aka MSR, for free. And you can get content like this show and one big idea about making branded shows that appears nowhere else but the newsletter that we send once per month on the last Friday of every month. Subscribe at marketingshowrunners.com or through the link in your show notes. You'll be in great company with fellow subscribers from Adobe, Salesforce, MailChimp, the BBC, Amazon Prime, LinkedIn, Red Bull, and thousands more. As a reminder, MSR covers the exploding space of brands making shows as a media company. All right, as always, I'm your host and the founder of MSR, Jay Akunzo, and I believe great marketing isn't about who arrives. It's about who stays. Thanks for staying with me, and I'll talk to you next Monday morning. See ya. Hey, I'm back with two bonus things, two reminders at that. Uh, reminder number one, please support this show by supporting our partner, Contently. Go to contently.com slash clips to get a free content strategy bundle. Again, they have both hired and work with some of the most amazing creative people in marketing to produce their blog content, their eBooks, their educational stuff, and to equip their clients, people who purchase their software, with a network of talent. So contently.com slash clips. I guarantee everything you read from these people will be stellar. Contently.com slash clips. Now, the second reminder is our weekly recommended read for you. It's from the Marketing Showrunners blog. And the title of this is Deconstructing Gimlet Media's Startup Podcast. One of the most resonant, popular podcast episodes that we've created here on Three Clips is about Gimlet Media's startup. 
If you don't know that show, it's one of the best nonfiction shows I think ever created, but certainly of the last decade. And we go inside how they turn seemingly everyday moments that all of us experience and all of us could capture on tape into irresistible stories. We all have access to the material that Startup captures, and yet we don't use it the way they use it. So to understand that episode without actually listening, you can read this article, Deconstructing Gimlet Media's Startup Podcast. It's in your show notes at the very end, or you can search the the blog at marketingshowrunners.com.